Hello everyone, you're listening to Like Like Light, Episode 3. My name is Barry Moore, and on today's episode we are going to be discussing Pixel Dungeon, created by Oleg Dolia, and available for free on Android devices and on PC, and soon to be available for purchase on Steam. Uh, my panel today is Jaya Narain. Hi. And Andy Kissan. Hello. Also joining us are two special guests. Uh, you know her as Kawaii Dragoness on YouTube. Katrina Tanyo is with us. Thank you for joining Hello. us. Uh, also joining us today is the creator of Shattered Pixel Dungeon, probably the most popular Pixel Dungeon mod out there today. Evan Debenham is here. Hello. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks so much for having us. Thank, Thank you. you. Uh, so for anyone unfamiliar with Pixel Dungeon, it's the most traditional roguelike we've covered so far. Uh, dungeon crawlers, you descend through procedurally generated dungeons, fighting monsters, and collecting items that can either help or hinder you. Um, and so this is actually part one of two of a Pixel Dungeon special that we're doing. So for this episode, we'll be discussing Pixel Dungeon. And about a week after this one, we'll have an episode where we're discussing Shattered Pixel Dungeon. And so Kawa and Evan will be joining us for both of those. Um, Giant Andy will not. We'll have Ryan on that episode and a new panelist. Yay! Mystery and excitement. (laughs) So to begin, I think we could each go around and say your name and whatever your first earliest memory of gaming is, either the first game you played or the first time you saw a game or something along those lines. And I think we usually go in alphabetical order. Maybe we'll switch it up this time. So I think that would put Katrina first. Okay, um, so I'm Katrina Teanyu, as uh, people said, most of you probably know me as Kawa, Kawaii Dragoness on YouTube and Twitch and Roguelike Radio. Um, my first gaming memory is sitting next to my older sister in front of a Sega Genesis, not knowing how to make Sonic the Hedgehog move. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was five years old at the time. I still don't know how to make Sonic the Hedgehog move, but that's a completely different matter. I don't think Sega does either at this point. <laughs> oh! Snap. Uh, Jaya? I guess, like, I mean, I remember playing Mario a lot as a kid, but I think for me, uh, was when I got uh, Ocarina of Time, and I was trying to beat the first dungeon, <laughs> and... Uh, I got to Goma, and now I have a huge fear of spiders, like a massive fear of spiders. So as a child, I say as like a 10-year-old child, that terrified me. So I would just give away my controller to my sister or my dad, and they would try to beat it. But man, like I remember eventually doing it myself, and I was so proud. I was so, so (laughs) proud. But I think that would probably be like my most memorable memory. Cool, cool. Uh, Evan? So we're going to have two Sonic stories, I think. Um, oh my, <laughs> my first memory is playing Sonic CD on my old Windows 95 computer. There was actually a PC port of it. Nice. I played that game for more hours than I can count. And of course, little child reflexes. I never beat it. <laughs> I should have brought up like all of the educational games that I used to play as a small child <laughs> at, the, at this rate. Oh my god. Like, like, for us, cross-country Canada, well, that's yeah. for Canadians. Oh, but. dear, yeah, that one. <laughs> in <laughs> every know, school. But Amazon yeah. Trail and Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego. Yes. Nice. Those were the first games I was good at. 
like I, I mentioned being terrible at Sonic. I'm I'm terrible at most games. But those were the first times that I felt like confident playing a video game. So I guess that's a memory too. Nice. <laughs> did did everyone's schools have Dino Park Tycoon? Because that was No. <laughs> no. That sounds amazing. Really? Every school, every elementary school I went to had Dino Park Tycoon. I'm jealous. Which I went to so three lucky. different elementary schools in Burlington, Ontario. So I cannot remember the name of it. But I remember a game where you have to, like, run around and grab car parts and build racing vehicles. Oh. Interesting. I, I cannot remember its name, but it was the most popular game at my elementary school. Nice. You guys had such cool games. <laughs> I played Amazon Trail a lot, which was oh, basically, yeah. um, you know, like, in Oregon a canoe trail, down the... Am- the no, not Oregon Trail, because it was all like boat based. Oh, yeah, I know. And you'd Ooh, stop in these little the fishing villages game. and yeah. like catch poisonous frogs. And <laughs> um, that and Odell Down Under, which was like you were this little fish and you ate other fish and you had to avoid eating certain things or else you would get poisoned and die, which is actually a pretty close to a roguelike experience. And I've always <laughs> wanted, I've always wanted to see someone make Odell Down Rogue, <laughs> but we'll see if that ever happens. <laughs> We should Excellent. maybe maybe we'll have through uh, through the show maybe we'll have the resources to find someone to do that. We should we should get that. Started. We should work on Odell Down Road. Yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I'm Barry, and for me, I actually grew up in a gaming household somewhat. So my mom was very heavily into Nintendo when I was growing up, and so I don't actually remember. My first interactions with a game, because I would always stay up really late and watch her playing whatever she was playing. But the first two that I actually remember have vivid memories of playing are uh, Super Mario Bros. 3 and The Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. And Link to the Past is still one of my favorite games. Nice. Uh, And Andy. I'm trying to think of my first, like, first ever interaction with a video game. Mm -hmm. And I think it was when I was, like, four and my family got an NES, and they were playing Super Mario Bros. And I remember being really jealous that they were playing that instead of playing with me. Aww. <laughs> Aww. I'm, that's I've, awful. I've since How did that over. make you feel, Andy? <laughs> thought you were being replaced? <laughs> I think so, yeah. yeah. Like Like Light is now the video game therapy hour. <laughs> <laughs> Next topic, crabs. <laughs> <laughs> no, there will need to be some therapy over the crabs in Pixel Dungeon. We'll get to that because <laughs> I think I need some therapy after those. Yes. Um, All right. So <laughs> on that note, uh, so let's start talking have, Pixel Dungeon. I think we have the most interesting range of experiences with this game that we've had in the show so far. So Jaya has just started playing it for the first time recently. Andy had played it a little bit before. I had played it quite a bit before. But based on conversations, I think Kawa has a lot more experience with it than I do. And then obviously Evan has a whole different sort of knowledge and intimate knowledge of the game. So I think this will be interesting. So usually we start off with sort of what your first general impressions are, which for most of us, this this isn't our first time playing the game. So maybe we could think of what you do remember your first impressions of the game being, and then for Jaya, this, what your impressions of the game are so far. Okay. Yeah. I think my first impression was that food is hard to find. 
I remember, like, because I started playing it maybe a year ago or something, but I played a little bit, and I remember having food problems. Because every game I played up to that point hadn't had that element in there. That was, yeah. my, I think, my first interaction with starving in a video game. Oh, really? I think so. I think, like, in Metal Gear Solid 3, I remember playing, and you get hungry, but that would just make your gun shaky. And, like, I never really played any roguelikes before oh. this one. So it was like, why am I... I'm just dying from standing here? <laughs> oh, well, that's interesting that this is your first experience with a hunger clock. Um, yeah. Yeah, I've never... Actually, now that I think about it, I have never played with a hunger clock either. Oh, wow. Yeah, oh, I think okay. I'm the first one, too, be. as well. Pixel Dungeon was the first hunger clock game for me, as well. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is going to be really fascinating, because... Yeah. Um, I basically played a lot of roguelikes, you know, like a decade or so ago because I was too scared to ask my parents to spend money to buy me video games. So I would go online looking for free video games yeah. and run into <laughs> NetHack and Ancient Domains of Mystery and Tales of Middle-Earth before it was Tales of Majayal mm-hmm. and Lindley's Dungeon Crawl before it was Dungeon Crawl Stone Soup. Um, and so I was pretty well-versed in you know, the traditional roguelike scene long before I had even owned a smartphone. And when I was finally gifted a smartphone, my first instinct was, okay, how do I find a roguelike on this thing? (laughs) Um, And, and, you know, I kept seeing this recommendation for Pixel Dungeon because it... And so my first impression when I booted up Pixel Dungeon was, oh, it's brogue. With classes. Okay, this is excellent. <laughs> let's do this. Let's go. Let's make this happen. Um, so, yeah, that's really interesting because I come from a completely opposite perspective from a lot of you guys, I guess, where I, my background is very traditional roguelike. And so I was like, finally, a traditional roguelike on something I can play on the subway. Great. Yeah, yeah. yeah and that's exactly... I, I hadn't played Brogue before. Um, but when I got, when I also got my smartphone, I did the exact same thing. I was like, search roguelike, (laughs) just saw what came up. And, um, my only other, like, I guess the only other thing sort of close for comparison base that I had was NetHack, which was, I was, I was kind of like, I'm seeing some similarities here. And so I was also used to the hunger, the, the hunger clock, but I also, I, I, I do feel, I felt I still felt that same pain Andy is feeling, though. I feel like the... And maybe we can get into that in a bit. Just the... At least early on, I was really feeling like... I just couldn't find food anywhere. I don't know. And I feel like in NetHack, I had learned sort of how to deal with that. I don't think I've had a... I don't think I've had a run in NetHack where I've had to worry about food for a really long time now. Whereas I feel like Pixel Dungeon, I don't know, maybe I still just haven't quite learned how to ration properly, but it just doesn't seem to be working for me. Um, but yeah, I remember thinking that it was... I really I enjoyed the game, and it was sort of the... At least at the time when I first downloaded it, it was the, first, it was the only sort of traditional roguelike I could find on there that worked well, because I think a lot of them the touch screen interface doesn't work ideally for me. Whereas with Pixel Dungeon, I didn't have that problem. Yeah, I, I definitely think Pixel Dungeon has the, the benefit of being designed from the ground up as a mobile game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my first impression, I was just, I think, randomly searching the Play Store for games. 
I found Pixel Dungeon. My first thought was, hey, this is actually a good game. Awesome. <laughs> and then I thought, oh, this is really hard. Awesome. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, honestly, um, I haven't played as much as everybody else, I'm pretty sure, but um, I thought it was really cool. Unfortunately, I, I do like the ones that I can play on my phone because uh, it's really good. I have a long commute to work, so it's just I can literally sit there and possibly miss my bus stop, which I've done before. Um, <laughs> but um, playing it on, on my computer, it does run really well. And it's I haven't had any issues with it in terms of uh, like technically or or whatnot, so um, that's good. Um, and, I think it's huh. This is interesting. So you mentioned the computer, and so I I've had some times where I'm also I'm playing at the computer instead, and I think this will be an interesting point of conversation. Is that the the version available for for PC right now isn't the most recent one, so it doesn't have certain mechanics in it that I know some people aren't too happy with. Such as are we, are we here degraded. yet? Are we here already? <laughs> well, are we, are we, we might as well. Degrading? I think. <laughs> yes, we mostly, are complaining mostly, about degrading now. <laughs> mostly, we've been discussing the uh, the difficulty, so we might as well jump into that topic. Um, but maybe we'll maybe before we get too far into item degrading, we could start with just saying how how difficult you found the game, what you thought of the difficulty, how far did you get? Um. I didn't get I, very far. Me neither. I mean, I really like it. I keep trying. I think it's like, it's one of those, oh, I just died. That's normal. Okay, let's just try it again. Um, I think I remember one time I literally just started, went to one room, uh, hit some bones by accident, got killed. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, that lasted a lot less than I thought. But um, yeah, I didn't really get too far, but it's 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 pretty hard. But it's, I mean, it's kind of like worth to keep going. i you know, I didn't really get too frustrated to the point where I'm like, okay, screw this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm under the impression there's a boss at the fifth level. <laughs> I would yes, there is. <laughs> keep stepping on a fire trap or, like Jaya said, accidentally hitting a skeleton or seeing a cool thing and picking up and six ghosts pop out. And I'm like, well, yes. that probably wasn't worth it. <laughs> yeah, graves, yeah. But now I know not to do those things and I'm getting a little bit further. I can semi-regularly get past the third boss or so. Um, I have yet to beat the game, but yeah, I can usually at least. Well, I can usually make it at least to DM three three hundred or whatever its name its a uh, serial number is. Uh, I have I had one shattered run where I actually made it to the demon demonic halls, but nice. that's about it. <laughs> yeah. Lack of degradation will make Shattered a little easier at the moment. Definitely. Yes, absolutely. It's sort of interesting, though, that um, I'm the only one here who's actually... Am I the only one here who's beaten the game? I, I believe so. so. Yeah, yep. definitely. Well, yeah, I've beaten it, I've taken it apart and Good. put it back together again, so... <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I feel like a lot of the difficulty from Pixel Dungeon sort of stems from knowledge and understanding little optimizations... Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, for example, uh, kiting enemies behind doorways so you can get free guaranteed hits on them. Mm-hmm. And, for example, the wraiths, which I know are a big problem, that's basically the only way to kill them. Okay. So I feel like yeah. a, lot of, yep. a lot of beating the game is understanding little quirks about its mechanics. And once you do that, yeah, you, you get to the point where you very, can very consistently get through to at least sort of the mid-to-end stages of the game, assuming the crabs don't get you. 
yeah. <laughs> which oh, they most crabs. likely do. Crabs yeah, the, cra- the crabs or, always um, end runs. Crabs or enraged uh, no berserkers. Yeah, those uh, ones are awful no. too. Awful. Awful. That's, that's where the door kiting really helps. Yeah. Um them and the uh, dwarves in that oh, yeah, episode are just ugh. Ugh. Yep. The worst. Yep. The worst. Ugh, indeed. Um, <laughs> yeah, so. I've, I've I've just started doing the door kiting and I it, it hasn't necessarily gotten me any farther than I already had been, but it has it has been it has been helpful. I've been I'm almost at the second boss. I think more so than um any other roguelike, I seem to have the most trouble with this one. Like I, and I don't know if it's just maybe just because the the scope of it is a bit a bit smaller than a lot of other games I've played, so when I guess I just I don't feel like I'm making much progress with it. I don't know, or maybe right. maybe it's just really maybe I'm just not very good at it and I'm depressed. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the two the biggest advice I could have about roguelikes in general um, is it is better to be alive with an empty inventory than dead with a full one. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh yeah, definitely. So things like oh I I only started getting good at Pixel Dungeon when I started saying oh, let me lead this monster down this hallway and throw seeds to turn into plants that will poison them. And as I cut, you know, yeah. and as I kite them, they will also, you know, be poisoned and or on fire, you know, mm. things like that. Um, and taking advantage of just every opportunity the game gives you, especially with games like Pixel Dungeon, um, which is based off of um, stylistically, at least a little bit off of Rogue. Um, those games are much more about can you adapt to what the dungeon has given you as opposed to the dungeon gives you everything, now just make the most optimal path. Right. NetHack is clo- much closer to the latter. Yeah. Crawl is somewhere in between. But Brogue and Pixel Dungeon are very much about, okay, I've been given all of this so far. How can I use it to my best ability? And so now you do need to know a lot about the intricacies of game mechanics in order to really succeed in it. Yeah. Yeah, and the, the the seeds in particular that those are probably the one area of the game where I feel like I feel the most confident about. It's like my my use of the seeds. I remember talking to Andy about it the other day. I was just like, yeah, I actually feel like the more of those seeds I find, the more I'm like, oh, I know what to do with this item. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. I can, like manipulating them to especially yeah. um especially against that first boss. I mean, I think Every time I've actually beaten the goo thing, um, it's generally been because of very good use of seeds. That was that's what I yes. attributed to. Yeah, it's always her through against goo. Yeah, I wonder what it's like to get to that boss. <laughs> it sounds like a dream. You will like get there. You will get you there. Will, it's yeah. a dream that will be quickly ended. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Over and over and over. Because roguelikes. I've always wanted, uh, on a semi-related note, I've always wanted a roguelike's death screen to say, congratulations, you have died. I hope you have learned something today. Because I feel like that's the takeaway from roguelikes. It's, thanks for dying, and I hope you learned something from this death. I believe, um, oh, it might not say, it might not say, I hope you learned something, but I think Dungeons Dungeons of Dread... Yeah, Dreadmores is, congratulations, congratulations, you have died. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but I, I've always wanted, you know, at least like a tooltip or something that has that second part. Yeah. So that people don't just feel discouraged, like, gosh, you know, I yeah. died. 
throw a controller, leave, you know? <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree. The sort of the way you prevent frustration in deaths with roguelikes is to try to give the player opportunities to go, oh, well, crap, I died. Now I won't do that again. Yeah. Right. Um, exactly. And I think in, in cases of games like Pixel Dungeon, where there are all these intricate mechanics you do need to know, that's where sort of, that's where clarity helps a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think, I mean, if, if I want to have a criticism for Pixel Dungeon, I think that there are some, a couple clarity issues with the game mm-hmm. where you get things like, like kiting through doors. There is no way for you to know you're getting a free hit unless you already knew it. Right. Yeah. yeah. You just, unless you happen to do it a whole bunch of times and happen to notice, hey, I'm always hitting, there's just, it's just impossible to really know that without looking up a guide. Yeah, I had, I had read that online. I yeah. had never realized it before. Yeah, that, that's, there, there's definitely some mechanics like that that are sort of gotchas. I mean, it's not nearly as bad as, say, NetHack. Look at you, <laughs> Elbereth. But um, it's definitely worse. It's worse than Brogue in that respect, because Brogue tells you pretty much every mechanic straight up, including how often you're likely to hit a monster when you're standing next to the monster. Um, that's true, yeah. Or, um, like, Crawl is very good about very, very clear mechanics. But, yeah, um, there are a couple of gotchas in Pixel Dungeon that are pretty terrible. Or, like, did you know that you could throw um, an empty dew vial into a uh, fount of healing and fill it? Nope. No I one tells you that. that. I did not know that. I, I think that one's a, not quite as bad because it's not as core to succeeding in the game, but, but definitely. It's so useful, that though, would, because once you find one of those, once you find one of those, you're like, oh, great, now I can actually use the do. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's sort of striking this balance between letting the player discover things procedurally and telling the player everything and having right. the player be completely clueless. Yeah, because right. I was definitely like, it's a ooh, bubbles. Young whippersnappers. Back in my day, there was no do. (laughs) Oh yeah, that's right. That's that's not an initial mechanic. I I forgot about that. Um. So yeah, there's a lot of little intricacies to, or um, how important movement speed is in that game, and how massively awesome a wand of slowness is. You first get in, you're like, ugh, no, and then you realize, <laughs> wait, I could kill, I could kill crabs now. Yes, I can make crabs fight the crabs. crabs. Illustrate how important speed is. <laughs> um. So yeah, it, a lot of roguelikes have that sort of element of, oh, yeah. but Pixel Dungeon is pretty bad about it. Yeah, I definitely yeah. agree. Yeah. It, it um, needs to lead the player just just a bit more. Mm-hmm. Which is actually, um, Evan, why I appreciate when you made Shattered, you redid all of the little labels, you know, at the start of each level to yeah, give I, more detailed hints. I did that for the and first And I really course. liked that because it was like, okay, someone is actually thinking about the early game experience, which is not <laughs> that common in roguelike development. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like... I feel looking like a at you, Crawl! Looking at you! <laughs> Especially because a common concern I hear from players is that if they beat the sewers, they almost always beat the prison. Interesting. Because a lot of people consider the prison to be easier than the sewers, because although, yeah, the, the direct difficulty is higher, you have more resources. Mm-hmm. Right. Especially because skeletons drop drop weapons fairly frequently. Yeah. Yeah. And so it sort of gets a situation, I feel like, where the sewers are sort of the the area of what the hell do I do Oh, God, what's happening? <laughs> no, not the crab! 
Not the crabs. Oh my god. Yeah, and, and even even when you're really even when you do have a lot of experience at the game, there are just runs where you're a little low. You see a crab in a hallway. You're like, okay, I can take this crab. You start fighting it, and another crab pops up behind you, and it's like, well, <laughs> too bad. Uh, restart. Hey, thanks. No, literally. Yeah. Every time I see a crab, I'm like, well, this has been a good run. <laughs> <laughs> all, like, two levels of it. And you yeah. see, this is the thing, right? All the little things you can do to to prevent crab deaths or at least minimize them, things like leveling up your character, things like understanding how hunger works, all these little things that contribute are things I, I am sort of slowly trying to make a little more clear to the player. Yeah. Like, an example, the doorway thing. Um, in the next Shattered update, there's going to be a little exclamation mark indicator on enemies you damage when they are surprised. Yes! Oh, that is, yes! That is very, that is <laughs> I'm so happy. <laughs> and the thing with like the signs. That's a huge difference. Ah, oh, that's great. And Thank you. Know you. When it's I, like a little quality of life <clears throat> stuff. That's interesting too because when I read, when I had read about that tip about the doorway thing, mm-hmm. I don't know, for some reason, the way the pers- the user had typed it out, I don't remember what, exactly what they said, but I thought that's what was going to happen each time. So the first time I did it, I was like, did, did that work? I don't even like, did I hit that rat because it was in the doorway or did I just hit it? I don't know. And so I was like, I don't understand if this is actually working, but I still kept do- I kept believing. So I kept doing it. <laughs> but I'm don't sure stop was- believing in Pixel <laughs> <laughs> uh, And oh, the crabs. Just yeah. the crabs. Crabs are horrible in any situation, am I I right? (laughs) Fun fact about the crabs, they actually used to be worse. Oh, really? Really? Oh, yeah. In in update, I think it was like 1.6, about a year ago, just as the game came out of uh, beta, um, Oleg Delia actually reduced the crabs just a little bit. He made it a little harder, a little easier for you to hit them. Oh. Yeah, I remember pre-1.6 crabs, just the worst. worst. Yeah, so not (laughs) only would um, would they just turn you into little pieces, they would also dodge all of your attacks. Yes. That sounds like fun. Yeah, I had had a run the other day where I walked I walked into a room, and it was one of those really, like, the larger sort of L-shaped rooms. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. There were four crabs, and I was like, okay. (laughs) Well, (laughs) that that went well. And, like, you know, I tried to do the door thing, but there were, like, two other crabs coming from another room, and I was like, oh, this is wonderful this is yeah i mean and sometimes the game sometimes variance does just do that yeah and i don't think that's strictly speaking a bad thing as long as it it doesn't happen too frequently it doesn't happen too early yeah so we did we we brought up hunger for a second there so i think we have sort of two different perspectives to discuss with in regards to that as we mentioned a moment ago so maybe we'll start with for those of you who this is your first hunger mechanic what did you think of it I liked it. It was neat. It um, it provided a sense of urgency that I hadn't experienced in the game before. Where like I would be on a floor and I'd have hallways I hadn't walked down yet, and there was a reason. I don't know whether it's a smart decision or not. There was a reason for me to maybe not go down them or not go into rooms I hadn't gone in. Like, well, I mean, I'm kind of dying right now, so maybe I should go somewhere where I, there's food. But maybe there's food in those rooms. So it was interesting. It. Um, it was yeah. It was just a dynamic I had never experienced before, and it kind of changed my outlook on it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I guess for me, it was just like another thing because I'm used to like games that. I mean, I've played a lot of games where it does require like different things to keep yourself alive. Uh, food is what I haven't experienced, but I mean, I just 
you know, hey, you're hungry. Okay, I'm going to go find food. I'm dying. But you know what? That's a risk I'm willing to take. I'm just going to go find some food. Because <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to die. I'm either going to die one way or another way. At least the thing I'm going to do is, you know, go find some food. Because that's all you can really do at that point. Yeah. But that's just me. That's how I, I kind of played. Accepting the inevitability of death. I think I, I, I think that's good a, a good approach to roguelikes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're yeah. going to die. It's all about how. <laughs> With a full belly. Hopefully. I'd rather tie on a full belly than yeah. tie on an empty one. Right. Um, when I first started playing Pixel Dungeon, the levels were actually a little smaller. Uh, there was an update that made level layouts a little bit more chaotic. So hunger was a little bit easier to deal with. Okay. Um, my general impression was, oh, that's really clever. I can't dawdle. Right. Yes. Um, yes. And so I think hunger has a, has a really, is really important purpose in the game in that sense. Because in a game where you have regenerating health, there's nothing more boring than giving the player a game mechanic of, oh, you just waste, you know, 30 seconds in real life and you're fully healed. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Anything where real time isn't defined as an in-game resource, you generally don't want the player to be able to just farm or wait or whatever mm-hmm. and get their stuff back. Because you're trading your real life time, which isn't a game resource, for an advantage in the game. It's a mm. bad design thing and it's also boring. Yeah. Though, there are exceptions to that idea. I mean, you look at um, Tales of Majayal, which doesn't really have a hunger clock, a hunger clock in the sense of, if as long as the board is clear, you can rest as much as you want. Yeah. What it does is, um, if I remember right, just monsters stop spawning on a level after a while, so you have mm. no reason to dawdle. Yeah. Um, what I liked about um, Pixel Dungeons is the decision I would end up making is... I can't rest. I need to keep exploring and hope I heal enough as I explore to find my next piece of food. Mm-hmm. Which was a really interesting thing because um, Crawl's Hunger Clock is much more lenient and I'm, I'm most versed in Dungeon Crawl's Don't Soup. Mm-hmm. So that was really interesting for me. Um, there's actually a lot of sort of variants on the Hunger Clock. The Hunger Clock was something in the original Rogue, and it was a very punishing in the original Rogue, for those of you that don't oh, yeah. know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, because, you know, you mostly died from starvation in that game. You didn't necessarily die from monsters, because you snuck around monsters a lot. You died from starvation in that game. But yeah. the um, the fuel mechanic in FTL is pretty similar. In well, one part the fuel mechanic, and one part the Rebel fleet advancing on you. Yes. Um, oh, yeah, the fleet... Playing games with the fleet. Yeah, uh, don't. <laughs> I can just don't. do one more. <laughs> um, Not worth it. I actually was part of Roguelike Radio's episode on exactly on hunger mechanics and ways to um, reward exploration instead of taking your time. Um, way back, like two years ago or so. Uh, but it's it's interesting how how those things work out. There's, um, but yeah. Uh, Pixel Dungeons is pretty punishing. I, I think it's like, what, one food item guaranteed per non-boss level or something? Yeah, I can I can elaborate on this one. Um, okay, yes, please, <laughs> please. Okay, so the way the Hunger Clock works is um, internally it has a number that it counts up to 360. It counts up by one every single turn, which is usually one tile of movement. Mm-hmm. At 240, you become hungry. At 360, you're starving and start taking damage. Uh, the standard ration of food takes out 240 from that number. Uh, the Cornish pasty does 360, and those smaller scraps take out 100. 
and you are guaranteed one piece of food every floor, and you also start with one. And that one piece of food could be a ration, or it could be a Cornish pasty. I didn't realize the pasties did more. They yes, they do, and uh, that's a that's a clarity thing. I actually just recently noticed that they did more on my, on my own. So in in defense of Pixel Dungeon, a bit, I don't know how I figured it out, but I was just playing and I one playthrough, I was just paying particularly close attention to what was happening as I was eating. And I don't know, something about it, it just, I just seemed to notice that it was, it was just a little bit more than the other food I was getting. Mm -hmm. But I think it's, it's still pretty hidden. Yeah. Yeah. To be be fair, when I rail on clarity, I'm railing that in relative to the other mechanics of Pixel Dungeon. Mm -hmm. So I'm saying that's a bad thing within the game. Not that, oh, Pixel Dungeon's bad because it's not clear. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's because I look at things I want to improve, of course, and I see that as a big improvement point. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think the one thing that's really the biggest part of hunger that I feel like players don't understand is they see it in the same way. The best I can think of it as a parallel is, is health in a trade in in a collectible card game, um, like Magic: The Gathering, say, or Hearthstone, um, where in games like that, your health isn't a meter where oh, it's bad if you lose it. It's a resource, and winning is often about effectively using that resource. Mm-hmm. And so for hunger, it's okay to starve in a lot of situations. And I feel like a lot of new players will just try to scarf whatever food they can find immediately to prevent starvation. Meanwhile, they're at full health and don't even benefit from getting health regeneration by not being hungry. Right. And oh, so it's, yeah. all about, it's all about finding that balance of, okay, I'm starving, but I'm at full health, so I'm fine. Oh, I just fought a crab, and now I'm starving in a quarter healthy, yeah, I should eat now. Yeah. I think the warrior also helps a little bit with that, where he gets that health boost when he does eat food. Yeah. It sort of encourages eating when you're hungry. Oh. And, and again, talking about the early signs for clarity, something that I like to really notice with Shattered, I see a lot through Google Play Store reviews and stuff, is I can sort of see the impact of small changes. Oh, I did change one of the signs to very directly say hunger is a resource, it's okay to starve sometimes. And I, I did see a noticeable decrease in, in players complaining about what the heck do I do about hunger. It was definitely even coming from games that did have a hunger mechanic. I did kind of have to learn, sort of relearn, because one piece of, compared to, say, like NetHack, I was saying with my other major one, one piece of food per level is pretty low in comparison to NetHack, where you can find entire shops full of it. Um, so it was... It was definitely an adjustment, trying to keep in mind, like, oh, it says I'm hungry, but it's okay, I'm at full health, I can go a little bit more. And then, like, trying to find um, faster ways to rest, like, get it, like, find, or, um, I can't remember what they're called, the, I think it's sun, sun sungrass. Yeah, and so, like, using that and then resting so that it would mm-hmm. sort of just, I wouldn't get interrupted while sleeping by anything, because it only takes, mm-hmm. like what two turns in the game for your health to fill up while you yeah you that. fill up very quickly yeah. yeah um and so just like little tricks like that or then like uh learning that you can cook the crab meat that was that's really useful you mm-hmm. can freeze Ooh. the crab meat uh yes yeah, frozen carpaccio oh yeah is, well, it is freeze is the freezing the same effect or how does that work why it's didn't you find out better isn't it yeah, it's it. Um, it makes the food safe to eat, and you also get a random minor buff as well. Oh, 
Oh. Basically, it, it turns the random negative thing into a random positive thing. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah I, I, I had no idea. I'm learning more about crab meat as we go. Well, I mean, if I could kill a Pixel crab... Pixel Dungeon, about crabs. If I could kill a crab, then maybe, you know, that would be useful. Um, <laughs> you will get there. You yep. will get Eventually. there. Eventually. Um, no, but I think for me, like, I think that was just something that, as long as it's not killing me, I don't need to eat. You mm-hmm. know, like, I definitely waited until I was at least, ha- like, less than half from my, like, you know, of life. Yeah. And then I would, would eat a ration because mm-hmm. I kind of realized early on, okay, it's about hunger. Okay, then I'm pretty sure that food is going to be scarce. So um, it's kind of like, you know, when you play those, like, uh, survival horror games and you, you, have, you have, like, you know, one health jar, you know, per couple levels and you're like, oh, crap, okay. So now it's time to kind of, like, really decide, like, it's, it's also, like, I think by staying hungry for a while and having your health kind of decrease it it helps you think more about the strategy rather than going in and just killing things and Definitely. and whatnot um because i'm actually very known to just go in and kill things and not care <laughs> and, and I, just that's just how i am that's kind of like i i mean like stealth and stuff are not really my thing but uh this game really kind of you know, from what I've been playing, it's it's helping me like kind of strategize a little bit more and learn a little more patience. So, I mean, I don't mind it. Yeah, just just as one more thought regarding hunger. It's always interesting to sort of like those sort of game wide mechanics, seeing how they affect opposite ends of the game, both in terms of player skill and and the end game versus the early game. Because at least from my perspective, like knowing all the little optimizations. My problem often is, what do I do with all this food? That can be a problem? That exists? (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, I don't... Well, but that's that's what I mean, right? It's a non-problem. And so, with my intention very much trying to make the early game smoother, um, I think one thing that may make hunger less overbearing early is to make it more overbearing late. Because currently, Mm. if you sort of... If you make hunger less difficult early, you sort of enhance the ability for experienced players to just build huge stockpiles of food. Right. Right. Um, A a suggestion that's been thrown to me before is, because hunger does constant damage all the way through. So you're taking one damage on average every, I think, about 12 to 15 turns. Mm -hmm. Um, That stays all the way to the late game, even when you have 150 health. And so at that point, hunger is almost a non-factor. Yeah. Right. Mm, Right. Um, Now, of course, I've always said... Something I'd like to do, but you have to really think about that kind of change. But I'd be interesting to see how the hunger mechanic could change if it was made to more harshly scale into the late game. Yeah, um, I would say more harshly scale, but if you couldn't die from it, that would be interesting as a balance. Yeah, Um, there's a lot of ways to tweak hunger, definitely. And um, it's interesting that you mentioned early game versus late game, because I definitely remember when I recorded the Hunger Clock episode... I was much worse at roguelikes than I am now, and someone brought up Ancient Domains of Mystery, where I struggled in the early game. And, you know, Darren Gray, who has been in that game infinitely many more times than any human (laughs) being should be capable of, including with the most ridiculous conducts possible, was like, yeah, by the time you get to Dwarf Town, there is no reason hunger should be a problem because of this mechanic and this mechanic. Now, in the late game, the corruption system, as you go further into the dungeon, that acts as a danger clock in a really amazing way. And I'm like, 
you just taught me something really amazing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's um, it, it would be interesting to see different ways that that would scale. Because um, I, I, as I told you, I, I have got into what I guess is sort of late game, like once. And yeah, I wasn't thinking about food at all. Well, not with everything else chasing me, but also mm. just I wasn't thinking <laughs> about food. And and that that's an interesting perspective on it because it's, yeah, that's that's very different. Mm-hmm. The other the other route I'd consider is adding mechanics uh, that depend on hunger in new ways. So, for example, one of the rogue subclasses, the free runner. Mm-hmm. Uh, his ability is to run at a higher speed than normal, which, as we've, as we've said, is very beneficial, but not when he's starving. Ooh. Oh, okay. And so that might be another way to do it as well, rather than just having the exact same mechanic scale, introducing more complexity to it as you go. There's lots of ways to go about it, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, For sure. But definitely, I feel like, um, I, and maybe this is maybe this is sort of a general roguelike thing. I definitely feel the hunger clock in Pixel Dungeon is really serious early and then sort of becomes just like a minor thought or suggestion at the end game. We're like, yeah, I guess I'll eat some food here, whatever. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, so on the topic of the classes, what class do you... Is there a class you primarily play as? Is there any that you prefer? Before everyone says warrior. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I'm a big Huntress fan. Mm. The Huntress is punishing, but very neat how you have to adopt a different play style with her. I just like the fact that I have infinite ranged ammo. Yep. <laughs> That's really handy. That's yeah. more handy than it looks. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a powerful weapon, but infinite ranged ammo is something not to be trifled with. I mm-hmm. love that. I mean, every single game I've ever played that was like online or something, even World of Warcraft, I always pick something, a class that really specializes in a long-range weapon. Mm-hmm. I've always been the type to kind of, and it sounds cowardly, but <laughs> you know, to stand back and just shoot things from afar, I love that. I think that's great. Um, but, I mean, unfortunately, I never got a chance to play as the Huntress yet. Uh, right. It's a work in progress, but um, you'll yeah. get there. Yeah, get there. Um, also, I would have, li- you know, I like uh, the only female class I could not play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I was actually just playing Path of Exile yesterday with a bunch of people, yes. and I was complaining about the gender-based uh, class thing. I was like, and I and I said it directly. I was like, I hated it in Diablo two, and I hate it now. Don't yes. do this to me. <laughs> um. But I understand, you know, especially with these smaller independent games, you know, you only have, you know, so much time and energy for art assets and whatnot. Um, But yeah, I, I really like having infinite ranged ammo and slightly more hit points at the start, which is an interesting balance. Um, You mean fewer hit points, right? Oh, is it slightly fewer? Yeah, you start with 15 instead of 20. Oh, 15 instead of 20. That's right. Uh, My brain just went, um... No, it's an interesting challenge. It's a very interesting challenge compared to the usual. And um, once you unlock the secondary classes, um, those get really interesting. Um, trying to balance risk versus reward as Berserker is also yeah. kind of fun. Is actually a lot of fun. <laughs> also, um, Evan, thank you for making Rogue actually interesting and shattered. Because <laughs> otherwise <laughs> it's just a challenge class that does nothing okay. in the middle of Pixel Dungeon. Like, yeah, not, not, it's not, terrible in vanilla, and 
I yeah. was so angry. I was so irritable about that because it was like it, this had so much potential, and then you wasted it. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, not to focus too much on on shattered and improvements, but I, the general consensus, especially on the Pixel Dungeon subreddit, where it's more of of an experienced player base, mm-hmm. it's sort of um, Warrior is good, Huntress is hard, uh, Rogue is a bad warrior. And Mage is an even worse warrior unless he finds a wand of firebolt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's and so right. that's very much something I'm looking to improve. And the rogue was the first uh, one with that. And Mage is up next. I'm really looking forward to that, but we'll cover that next week. Oh yes, so of course. That's interesting because I've only been playing as the rogue, and I <laughs> now I'm wondering why I. <laughs> I <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to figure out why, and I actually don't, I don't know. I, that's what I've always been. Just playing just at. wait until just wait until the shattered episode, and then we can talk about what the rogue is actually capable of doing. Uh, like, well, so now I'm just wondering if I've been pointlessly limiting myself for no reason. Like, I'm, yes, <laughs> the answer is yes. yes. The answer is yes. Okay. The answer is absolutely yes. That is good um, to know. I don't know. Like, I just that's. The, war- the warrior me. starts with basically a tier two weapon, and the rogue starts with a dagger. Yeah, well, yeah, I I, and... I always end up switching weapons almost immediately. <laughs> well, and that that is a general thing in the game. All the classes will do that. Yeah, but it's less like, important it's for the warrior. Less really. important for war for yeah. warrior before uh before like the second yeah. set. And that, that free upgrade transfer is so crucial. It, oh, that's so it, good. It's 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 so it's basically uh here you go, you can kill goo with this. Yeah. And the warrior is supposed to be the more forgiving class, certainly. Um from hearing stuff from um Wadaboo's perspective about it, or sorry, Wadaboo or Oleg Dolia, the guy who made Pixel yeah. Dungeon, um his intention with the class select was kind of for it to be a pseudo difficulty select in a lot of ways. Right. Right. So his intention with the rogue was quite literally a weaker warrior. That was exactly what he wanted to do. Oh. Um, and the mage was supposed to be weaker warrior with the potential for different. And I'm not sure what his intention was with the huntress. I don't think the huntress actually was released yet when he mentioned Said that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm just still playing on hard for no reason. Okay. Yeah. Basically, yes. <laughs> Pretty much. You're playing a roguelike on hard for no reason. Congratulations. <laughs> exactly. Um, and it, there are other ga- other roguelikes that do that. Sill um, actually does that quite a bit. Um, it's um, it's race and class selection is pretty much entirely meant to be a difficulty curve. Uh, but it's not obvious in Pixel Dungeon that that's the case until you play a whole bunch of times and you realize, wait, healing on f- on eating is like actually extraordinarily overpowered. What is going on here? <laughs> it's it's very different. Um, and Huntress, Huntress is hard, but Huntress is fun, and that that's my view on that. Um, and I are. Is that does anyone else here besides myself and Evan have experience with the secondary classes, the um, gladiator, etc.? Nope. No. Oh, okay. So they sound like fun. Lissai. They are really interesting. Um, what what's the unlock? It's beat. It is beating Tengu, Tengu on four ten. Right. Um. So the way it works is that after you've beaten, um, after you've beaten. Tengu at least once with a class, you get what's called the Tome of Mastery, 
uh, which you then start with from then on forward with that with that particular class. Oh. And um, what it does is um, you still have start the same way. You still have sort of the same, you know, the same general mechanic, but you get a little perk in certain specialized scenarios dependent upon what you chose. So I mentioned the um, the berserker. The berserker um, gets a significant damage boost when they're at criti- pretty much critical health. It's is fifty percent more damage below forty percent health. Yeah, um, which is an interesting, you know, what do you prioritize and when when you're faced with a tough monster? Mm-hmm. Um, Gladiator gets a bonus when it um, when it's capable of comboing attack, you know, chaining attacks. Which I can never quite pull off, but I keep trying. Gladiator is <laughs> oh. the entire reason why the Knuckle Duster is a good weapon in the late game. Yeah, because it's so fast. Yep. Um, that you get just combo, 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 combo. Mm-hmm. Um, Fists of Fury. Fists of Fury. Uh, then there's... Um, you mentioned Free Runner. Um, and I don't remember what the other rogue one is. The, I mean, if, if, you, if you guys want to just run through them real quick, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah, rogue subclasses are free runner, which moves faster when he's not encumbered or hungry. Um, assassin, which does bonus damage when he surprise hits an enemy. Right, which something, is great and yeah, shattered. Yeah, something incredibly good and shattered. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's 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 actually still probably a bit too good. Um, no, don't take it away from me. <laughs> Although I did, no. hey, to be fair, I did buff the free rider too. But anyway, that, so the, actually, something interesting to note about the assassin though is he has actually had an indicator for surprise attacks ever since he's existed. Oh, um, that little blood—he he gets a little blood splat on an enemy when uh, he does a surprise attack. And now I know. Okay, <laughs> so now you're just implementing that for everything. In, yeah, basically. Um, in and, okay. Yeah, Makes and sense. so the mage has um, the battle mage, which does bonus damage um, using wands as melee weapons, and also charges them faster when he uses them as melee weapons. Right. And the warlock, who heals both a little bit of hunger and health whenever he gains experience from killing an enemy. Which is kind of incredible. It's pretty strong. Generally speaking, the battle mage is only good if you find a wand of firebolt. Yep. But if you do find a wand of firebolt, you win. Right. And then the huntress has the warden, who gains a bark skin buff when she walks over grass, which gives her a bonus to armor, depending on her level. And also is more likely to find dew and seeds when running through grass, and also when uh, when activating plants. So, so is let, let me ask: yep. um, is is that one pretty much only worth it if you get a wand of regrowth? Well, um, it's it's kind of a tricky situation where I feel like the warden is strictly better if you want to build a Huntress that doesn't use her ranged weapon. Which is oh. doable, of course. But uh, why? Well, exactly, <laughs> why right? Would you I mean, bother? That, that's my argument for the, for the Battle Mage, too. Battle Mage is my favorite mage subclass, and Mage is my favorite class. For the same reason uh, you basically say, Kawa, it's because I like a slightly different, more challenging game. Um, and Ranged Weaponry is nice. <laughs> yeah. And so it's a situation of, yeah, I mean, you could take the mage and build him warlock and be like, oh, I don't want to depend on getting a wand, and that's fine, but then why aren't you just playing the warrior? 
Right. Um, and similarly for uh, Warden, it's the same sort of situation where the bark skin buff is good, but why are you running into grass and fighting enemies close up? Right. I mean, the Warden isn't bad. You can certainly play a ranged Huntress with the Warden class, but yeah, it's not as good as the Sniper. And the Sniper is the other Huntress subclass, which is just kind of, I would say, probably the best subclass in the game for what you get. Yes. Um, (laughs) The Sniper penetrates armor with ranged weapons and also gains a buff called Zeroed In. And if she continually attacks the same target, she will attack that target with greater speed. Again, only with ranged weapons. Yeah. Um... Sni- like I keep saying I keep saying Huntress is my favorite. Really, it's Sniper is my favorite. <laughs> so like, let's let's just be honest with ourselves here. The one thing I do like about Warden is you can build a style around her, especially if you find a wand of regrowth, where you just build a huge collection of seeds. I yeah. really like that as uh, a game mechanic. The idea of taking those sort of one-off resource items and really forcing the player to be like, okay, no, this is your primary resource now. Yeah, It's not about chucking the occasional potion or seed. It's about this is how you're going to win the game. Yeah, that is really interesting. And we'll talk in the Shattered episode about how that (laughs) synergizes with all sorts of beautiful things. Um, (laughs) Because Even even in the vanilla game, it's it's trickier to make it work, but it can happen still. Right. But you added some things in Shattered that just make that really obscene. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Like, in the best way possible. Well, yeah, it's sort of from... I mean, it's again that real time versus game time thing, right? Right. If you're given a re- if you're given an item that lets you just farm indefinitely, you have two choices, in my opinion. Either I mean, and sometimes games are different. In Pixel Dungeon, let me say, mm-hmm. you sort of have two choices. Either one, you can just let the player do it quicker, and then it becomes more fun, but it's not actually stronger because real lifetime isn't a game resource. Mm-hmm. Or you can nerf the ability to farm and say, no, you're not allowed to do that for half an hour. Right. And so um, for the farming of seeds, I took the first option, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. That's, um, that's subclasses for you. That's something <laughs> to look forward to. That's something to look forward uh, to for the rest of you as you start getting better at this game. It's, it's Yeah. It, it, it's definitely a really interesting mechanic, and I, li- I like it very much because usually in class-based games, like, you know... There's not much you can do with that fact afterwards, yeah. but um, that's that's a huge difference in, um, in Pixel Dungeon is that like then you get these little refinements that can really change the game depending on what happens. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, I was playing. This is slightly off topic to Pixel Dungeon, but I was playing a mod that I I had never seen before. It just kind of. I, I don't know if it's how new it is, but um, skillful pixel dungeon. Yes, skillful pixel dungeon. I have yeah. not tried it yet. And it just, I, and I it need to. Has it's a little skill point system, which was it was, fun, that was oh. a fun. It was a fun twist on the the classes that maybe again I didn't realize how useless the rogue was, but I guess makes the rogue slightly more useful. It had some interesting <laughs> abilities since that's my go to. Um, including a skill that adds poison to his attacks. Oh, that sounds fun. Okay. Thank you for telling me about that. So now that's on my list of things, too. It was pretty neat. It felt felt a little bit on the easy side. Like, as I was playing it, I was kind of like, I don't seem to be struggling that much. And so 
I tried not to play it too much because I was just focusing on playing Pixel Dungeon, but mm-hmm. in the little run that I did, I I just ended up stopping because I had to stop. Like, I didn't actually die. I was like, I need to stop playing this. <laughs> so it seemed, a spoil little, it. it seemed a little bit easier, but it was, it was an interesting change. Well, cutting out degradation is going to make almost any mod easier. Skillful does remove degradation, doesn't it? Uh, yes, yeah, it didn't mm. have uh, it didn't have degradation. Yeah. Which, yeah. how did we feel about that? Uh, <laughs> no, no, you do not want to hear me complain for an hour. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on Kawa's side here. I could talk for an hour about why degradation is a well-meaning mistake. <laughs> yep, yep. yep. I mean, yeah, I guess if, it, if I just try to condense my thoughts on it, it's it's I completely agree with the intention. Pixel Dungeon does have a bit of a problem where you can find really strong gear and then just do nothing but have that gear all the way through the late game. Yeah. Uh, common situation is is you say talk to the sad ghost and he gives you a plus three warhammer and it's like well okay sweet I killed you and I win the game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I completely agree with the intention of nerfing that strategy. I think that it's not really very interesting or fun to just find a piece of late game gear in the early game and then just keep it all the way through and just destroy the game with it. But degradation catches a lot of stuff in the crossfire. You nerf that strategy, but Pixel Dungeon being a game based around gear, like 99% of the game's variance, the game's satisfaction is having good gear. And you take the idea of the security and safety the player has, and, oh, I've, you know, I've got this now, I've got this now, and it's like, no, you don't. You have 10 uses of that now, or whatever. And then it breaks, or it gets worse. It takes one of the most satisfying things about the game and kind of gets rid of it. Yeah, yeah. It's, and, it's so brutal. I, <laughs> you just said everything I wanted to say, but more eloquently and with less swear words. So <laughs> go for it. It's like, I, I really, really like the idea, though. And I think that the thing what I wanted to accomplish with degradation is absolutely something you should try to accomplish. I do think there's more than one way to do it, though. Yeah, I I was confused when I started playing the... So I usually don't... Um, like, I don't necessarily go and read everything that's been changed in a recent update. Like, I know a lot, some people will go through and read the whole change log. I don't necessarily do that. Sometimes I'll just... I'll update it and I start playing. And I was so confused when I started playing. And I was like why did it just say that my Ring of Shadows is about to lose its enhancement? And why is this about to lose it? And say, uh, I just, it really threw me off. I didn't realize. And so after a while, I was like, was this always part of the game? Did I just not notice because I just wasn't playing long enough? Or, I don't know. And it seems like the reaction hasn't been too positive to it. Nope. I was there at Ground Zero when that update came out. And yeah. there was much wailing and gnashing of teeth on the so subreddit. Much. Oh yeah, so much. Well, and, and initially as well, because a lot of updates, I, I still, I still disagree with the system, but a lot of updates did come out that made it a lot more tolerable. Um, degradation was made a little less punishing mechanically, and there were a lot of clarity improvements um, that let you see how close your gear was to degrading. Literally, the first release of the update was there was no visibility for it at all. Your items just degraded and it told you. Yeah. And there was no meter telling you how close. There was no warning. Things just started breaking. Yeah. And that uh, that added to the upset a lot. A lot of people were <laughs> less upset once uh, degradation was made a little bit more 
friendly while still accomplishing the same goal. Mm-hmm. But it was all a big shocker to us initially when we saw that patch, and we see items now degrade. What? <laughs> I'm sorry. <Yeah>. What? <laughs> and pretty I th- much. I think it's interesting. It is an interesting concept. I, when when I noticed that mechanic at first, I did kind of start thinking like. So when I was finding more scrolls of enhancement, I kind of, I almost it. I felt like I was strategizing a little bit more. Like I wasn't just using them instantly. So I did like that element a bit where I was like, am I going to use this right now? Or can I save it for later? I agree completely. And that's, that's the intention, right? That's the good part of degradation. Like it did accomplish that goal, but now it's not, Oh, okay. I'm just going to throw that upgrade into my Warhammer. I've been upgrading with every single scroll. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's definitely the good element of it. And I don't know, I guess, so Jaya has been playing on PC, just which doesn't have that at all. <laughs> well, technically Mac, but yes. Oh, sorry, yes, yeah, I Mac. Have. Yeah. But yeah, the, um, the, the non-mobile version has not been updated to include it. Yeah. Uh, it's how, what, it's a couple of editions behind, actually. It's but, 1.7.2. Yeah. Yeah. As yeah. opposed to um, Which was, yeah. But... And then I'm wondering, Andy, I know you had played Pixel Dungeon a bit before this, but I guess now you would have mostly been playing it with that on. So has that been something you've been noticing? I... No. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I've been... I don't know if I've gotten far enough for anything to have broken on me. I don't know, that sounds bad. But But uh, I just just was looking it up now while you guys were talking. Like, oh, there is a little meter there at the bottom of my weapons. Yeah, that's the thing I should be aware of. <laughs> yes, yes, you um, should. It's or maybe my thing's yes. been breaking and I didn't know, and that's why I'm doing so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Let's use that. That could also yes, be a Let's factor. use that as an excuse. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I have I have a question for each of you. When you have a choice, you know, given a given strength level of a weapon, the more accurate version or the more fast version, which one do you prefer? Um, more accurate, I think. Um, I guess it also depends on what, where I currently am. So I've had a couple of times earlier on where I might get a faster weapon and I go for that. But if I, if I'm anywhere near where I've been seeing crabs, I usually go for more accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's mostly just because of my f- deadly fear of those crabs. <laughs> My answer would be that depends. Um, more so the accurate one, uh, but there are situations where fast weapons are strictly better. Things like uh, enchantment proccing is very good with quick weapons. Right. And gladiators. Yes. <laughs> yeah. For, for, the, for most situations, um, you want to go for accuracy. Mm-hmm. Especially when you have um, things like the Glaive versus the Warhammer, where the Warhammer is a bit more accurate, but does a little less damage. Right. The Warhammer is, is strictly better than the Glaive. I did have... I was playing on my recent playthrough. I got... I forget exactly what the message was on the weapon, but it was it was basically telling me that it was like really inaccurate. <laughs> I decided to give it a try, and I, I was not fond of that, in all honesty. It was... It was not friendly to me. And I just, I forget exactly what it said. Would it have um, been the spear? Yes. Yeah. Does, yeah. It ever, does it say that it's, like... So the spear is a slow weapon. 
Um, it does more damage, but every time you attack, it takes two turns instead of one. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not that's not a very, especially against the crabs. That's not a very good weapon. Yeah. No. no there was there was something, and it specifically said. It was something along the lines of like, "This is a very inaccurate weapon," and I was like, "That sounds bad, but I'll try it." Mm-hmm. <laughs> it did not go well for me. And I think this the spear. Yeah, I've had. I think the one time I used the spear, I died almost instantly. Yeah, that sounds about right for the spear. Yeah. Yep. How about with uh, with potions and scrolls? Um, potions are kind of interesting. Um, in the sense of, uh, you know, sometimes you throw them and interesting things happen and useful things happen. And getting to use, like, toxic gas better as an as an active form of damage is something I'm working on as a player. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems to follow, like, in a lot of roguelikes, or at least in my experience, for some reason, that um, the general consensus is... Um, Spend, spend your un like, go for the scrolls first. Yeah. Um, because the there's more bad potions than bad scrolls, like as a rule. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, you 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 spend your early game like waiting for a couple of scrolls to come by so that you can you know identify you know. So that you can find identify right away and start identifying potions because, mm-hmm. you know, the chance of you misusing a potion is pretty high. At least that's my experience with it. Yeah, no, I have the same thing where pretty much I'm willing to instantly read pretty much any scroll that I get as I go. Like the second I find one, <laughs> oh. I'm like, okay, go, oh. good. Whereas potions, I'm just like, I, I can get to the boss and still have some unidentified ones because I'm just like, nope, not even gonna try. I did have I did have one one scroll that was unidentified teleport me into a room full of crabs. So as usual, that oh, led to my yeah. death. Um, <laughs> that's one of those well moments. <laughs> yeah, I was oh, like, oh, well. that's great, and like right in the middle of the room too, like nowhere near one of the exits. I'm like, okay, yep. thanks, scroll of teleport. That wasn't fun. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I think that's my big experience. And yeah, of offensively using uh, potions better is something I'm really working on. Especially, f- like, toxic gas to some degree, though it's pretty obvious, but, like, frost? Yeah. I never quite figure out when is the best time to use a potion of frost. It's the answer work- is on raw meat. <laughs> yeah, apparently. But, that's but, about but it. why wouldn't you use seeds, then? Like, I always imagine that Potions of Frost were great on um, levels that had a lot of water. So you had the... Or is that a Shattered-only thing? That, that's there? a Shattered thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, so but, as, far as, as far as vanilla goes, right. um, Frost potions tend to freeze an enemy for about half a turn to one and a half turns, or something very similar to that. Oh, that's much weaker than I thought it was. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's unfortunate. And that needs to be buffed like really badly. <laughs> one thing, the one thing actually, um, fire elementals do take oh, a fair bit of damage from frost. Yeah, they do. That's right. That's why I keep dying in um, that region. Right. Okay. And so saving Good. frost potions for them can be helpful. Good. Um, congratulations, you have died. I hope you have learned something today. <laughs> um. Yeah. How about Andy? How have you been feeling with the uh, the earlier levels? With, with regards to with, the potion? Uh, 
Yeah, items, weapons in general. I okay, I'm a bit of a hoarder just in general. <laughs> so I need oh, to break yeah. that. I've, I've, over the last few rogue likes I've been playing with this, I've been trying to break that. Uh yeah. so I'll, I'll you know, I'll get a potion and I'll keep collecting I'll walk into a room and find like five potions, like score, I have all five potions, then you know, have a sliver of health fighting an enemy, and then I open up my inventory and it's full of potions, but I don't know what any of them do. I'm like, maybe one of these will save me. Drink it <laughs> oh, and then burst Yeah, that clutch moment. Yeah. Where you've got so, yeah. nothing to do but take a guess. And then um, you have to decide, do you want to drink it or do you want to yeah. throw it? And I'm always, I always drink it, and it always kills me. <laughs> yep. But I have two health, surrounded by two crabs. Don't know which one. Is it this one? Ah, uh, liquid flame. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot to mention a uh, vanilla edition. Um, the bombs. The bombs are great. The bombs are excellent. More bombs, bombs please. So, bombs yeah. all day and every day. <laughs> bombs everywhere, all the time. Yes, so, yeah, the bombs. Bombs and bees and also uh, the enchantment scrolls were sort of additions to vanilla to try to offset degradation a bit. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, bombs are really good. They're basically, if you collect a few of them, they're a kill a boss for free card, essentially. Yep. Yes. Especially against Tengu. Poor Tengu. <laughs> poor, poor nerfed Tengu. Oh, jeez. Tengu is... Tengu, okay, when I was, I read the patch notes, I wasn't actually playing when this uh, was released. Tengu, when he was originally released, he was overpowered and he was immediately hit with the nerf bat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And ever since, he's just, I just feel so bad for the guy. <laughs> it's like, now you deal less damage. Now your traps aren't so good. Now you give the player subclasses. Now you get completely destroyed by bombs. <laughs> sorry, Tengu. <laughs> so sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I had a run recently where I had luckily found a ton of bombs, and I I hadn't really used them much yet, and then I got to the first boss, and I threw one, and I was like, that was really effective, and I still had, like, four. <laughs> okay, well, I guess I'll just lob bombs at him. And I didn't even... It wasn't even really that good of a run otherwise. Like, I didn't have a lot of other good stuff. So <laughs> I almost died instantly on the next level, but it was just that that boss was nothing. It was like, bomb, bomb, bomb. Yep, bombs. Yep. I sort of, I sort of, from a design sense, I just like bombs for that reason because it's it's a free, an- it's a, sorry, it's a free answer basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And where there's nothing wrong with giving the player a really powerful mechanic, it's kind of shallow if it's just like, oh, target this one. Now he takes thirty damage. Do that three more times. You win. Right. But they're they're limited enough in the game, and you know it's such RNG just to get some. That I don't entirely mind it. Oh yeah, true. There's, there's feels still the like, choice of when to use them. Right, and yeah. and it feels like you know, I feel like Adam's equipment does the exact same thing. Of like, oh, it's going to be one of those runs when you <laughs> see one. <laughs> well, I think this is a good place for us to wrap up today. I want to thank my panelists, Andy Kassan and Jaya Narain, for being here. If you want to learn more about us, you can head over to likelikelight.com where you can listen to previous episodes and check out panelist profiles. I also want to thank our special guests, Katrina Tanyo, a.k.a. Kawa. If you want to see more of her work, you can look up Kawaii Dragoness on YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter. Also, Evan Debenham. If you want to see more of his work, check out Shattered Pixel Dungeon, free to play on Android and PC. We will also have download links available on our website. Thank you for listening.